Well, 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 looky here. Somebody asked me, uh, do you miss preaching all the time? And I was like, well, you know, it's okay. Yeah, I miss preaching. I, I, really, I really like to, to uh, present God's word and, and to try to, uh, you know, uh, share that with you and, what, you know, what I've learned. And, you know, I, I'm trying my best to, to keep, uh, keep learning and, and studying and, and trying to, you know, uh, make myself a workman approved and... Uh, it's not always easy. You know, there's a lot of things going on, and the same for you. I know that that uh, so many things, uh, you know, keep us busy. And but uh, you know, a lot's happened since uh, last time I got to speak. I, um, you know, they made me an elder, which just blows my mind. I just an elder. I, I still think of myself as being about 20 years old. You know, like a kid running around. How about we call them youngers or something like that? You know. Yeah. No. You know, I was uh, very interested. It's funny. Kyle reminds me a lot of one of my friends at school. He's just nuts for superheroes. Gaga about, oh, Spider-Man and Iron Man and all, you know, just absolutely loves this stuff. I've got a friend who, I mean, he pencils in release dates of superhero movies into his, his notebook. I mean, he can tell you months in advance when this, you know, this movie's coming out and he's, he's big into all that and you know, when I was a kid, I was always fascinated with superheroes, as most kids are. It's kind of fun stuff. We didn't have really cool movies uh, when I was a kid. We, we still had the comic books. I know they have comics now, but most kids, you know, they're all in the movies. And... But all the ones that I tended to gravitate towards, for whatever reason, they weren't the, the top-of-the-line superheroes. You know, most of my friends, you got Iron Man, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman. Those are the superheroes. I was always drawn to some of the weirder ones. Moon Knight. How many of you? I didn't think many of you would know who Moon Knight was. The Swamp Thing. Oh, there's a few nods. Cloak and Dagger. There are a couple of teenage runaway vigilantes. You know, real wholesome stuff. Conan the Barbarian. There you go, John. And then, of course, who can forget Howard the Duck? There you go. Howard the Duck. All right. Now, you know, for whatever reason, these were the ones I, you know, and I'm not sure why I always gravitated towards the B list of, of superheroes. I'm afraid to ask. Let me guess, I'm a weirdo. Uh, there you go. Yeah, I secretly read Archie and, and those two, so no. You know, it's funny, but what's interesting about all of these heroes, they all had, they were just different. They had their imperfections. They had traumas. They had uh, weird things that had happened to them. You know, maybe it's, you know, like, like most people, you like heroes because they're larger than life and, and all of these different things. But, you know, I don't know. For some reason, I always identified with these weird superheroes. That's probably because as a teenager, I often felt weird. I mean, most teenagers feel that way. I'm, I'm different. And I like some of these different kinds of heroes. That's often how I thought of myself growing up. 
you know, and they're fun to read and, and fun to look at. And, and one of the, the big uh, things in, in superhero comics was to build these teams of heroes. You put them together, and now you've got the Avengers. And, and I always liked a group called the Defenders. <laughs> See, just weird, you know. Why don't you like the Avengers? Well, I like the Defenders. Well, I don't know why, but... You know, true to my own taste, and since Kyle is taking us through a study of some of the superheroes of the Bible, I thought I would look at some of my uh, B-list favorite heroes of the Bible. These are people that you know, don't normally get picked to be the, uh, you know, the top line. Uh, you know, you're not going to find uh, Iron Man, and you know, this list is filled with Moon Knights, Howard the Ducks. Cloak and daggers. You know, these are people who are heroic in their own way, but they didn't get top billing like Paul or David or Daniel. And what I like about these people is that they're just like you, you and I. Simple people trying to live their lives and trying to submit to God, just trying to do the right thing. And they end up doing heroic things. And it's interesting, many of these people that we'll look at, I mean, they're only mentioned once or twice in the whole Bible. Never heard from again. And it's interesting how many times that's how God uses people. For that one moment in your life, He uses you, and then that's it. You're never heard from again. But that doesn't mean that you weren't important, or you didn't have some impact on somebody or something at that time. You were God's man or woman on the spot. And he was able to use you in a heroic manner to do things for the kingdom of God. So I want to look at some of these people. You know, it's interesting. What makes a hero? We always think of, well, they've got to have superpowers, and they're really, they, they do all these things. When I was a kid, one of my favorite TV shows was MASH. Any of you ever watch MASH? Some of you younger are like, MASH? What the heck is MASH? I was like, well... Well, one of my favorite episodes, the, the camp is under sniper fire. And they're all running around hiding. They're trying to get away. Well, somebody's sneaking around in the uh, cafeteria, in the mess tent. They don't know who it is. So Hawkeye sneaks over there. And he tackles the, who he thought was the sniper and looks at him. And it's Radar. <laughs> radar has snuck off to the mess tent to get a sandwich. Hawkeye's like, you, you risk your life for a ham on rye? Raider's like, I'm hungry. <laughs> Besides, you know, we need something to do. We got to get food. People are hungry. I just want to be a hero like you guys, like the doctors. And Hawkeye looks at Raider and says, look, a hero is nothing more than somebody who's too tired, too scared, or too frightened to not care anymore. And they take action. These biblical heroes may only be mentioned in a line or two, but we can learn a lot from their action. There are heroes around us every day. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to Colossians chapter 4. This will be a, a preview for our Sunday school class. We're working through the book of Colossians. Now, Colossians, uh, if you look in the New Testament and you find your T's, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, all the... It's just before that, so... 
Colossians is a, it's, it's a letter that Paul wrote to the, the Colossian church. Now, this church was not founded by Paul. Okay, it's not some church he went there and started it up. This is a church that uh, was began by a, a man by the name of Epaphras, who had been converted to Christianity by Paul, probably while Paul was uh, the, the pastor or the preacher at Ephesus. Ephesus was a rough town for Paul. But while he was there, he uh, obviously converted a lot of people, and one of these was a man by the name of Epaphras, who then went back home to his place in, in Colossia and created a church. And so Paul's going to give a, a sort of a, a shout out to this church and to some of the people that are involved. And, and uh, even though it's brief, uh, these people have some lifelong lessons that we can learn. And this is known as one of the, possibly one of what's called the prison epistles. Paul was under house arrest when he wrote this. So he himself could not personally go and visit the church. And so they didn't have the internet, don't have email, can't text uh, the elders there. So he wrote a letter. And this letter is sent off to the Colossian church and also to be shared with a neighboring church called uh, Laodicea. Just sort of a, you know, here guys, this is what I'm thinking. And in this book of Colossians, he sort of lists out his his Avengers, his, his team of heroes that, he's, that are going to spring into action and are going to do great things for the, the glory of God. I want to pick up here in, in Colossians chapter 4, in verse 7. I'm going to read to the end here. Um, As to my, all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bond servant in the Lord, will bring you information. <coughs> Excuse me. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onsimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here, back, back in Rome where, where Paul's under arrest. Verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, Send you his greetings, and also Barnabas's cousin Mark, about whom you received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. 
Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you all. So he sends this letter to the church at Colossia, and in here he lists some people. These people are superheroes to me. These are people who are heroes of the faith, not because they did anything overly dramatic, but because they're going to prove to be faithful in what they have sworn to do. They're there to serve Paul, and they're there to, through Paul serving the church. Let's take a look at this, this team of Avengers, this team of, of, of superheroes. Back in verse 7, it mentions a man by the name of Tychicus. Iron Man rolls off the tongue a little easier than Tychicus, but uh, look, Tychicus was a man who had a job to do. Verse 7, as to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bond servant, will bring you information. Tychicus was to deliver the news about Paul, as well as Paul's letter to the people in Colossia. And this result would be the encouragement of the Christian's heart. He also sent letters to, uh, later to Ephesus. He would send letters off to a man by the name of Philemon. This was an important guy. You know, Paul didn't need the flash to show up and, and deliver messages. He had a man by the name of Tychicus who was very faithful, a very faithful servant who would carefully deliver Paul's words, which would later become the word of God, to these people. Are you a faithful worker willing to do the work of the church? You may think, big deal, I'm just supposed to deliver this letter. Well, in the kingdom of God, that may be one of the biggest deals. Are we faithful and ready to deliver God's word to the people of not just our church, but to the entire world? People need the gospel and the message of the Bible now more than ever. Are we going to be faithful, like Tychicus, to deliver that message? Verse 9, Onsimus. I wonder what his superpower is. Onsimus. Well, Onsimus was a runaway slave. He was a runaway. Not just a runaway, he ripped off his master. He stole his money and ran off with it. It's interesting, the word Onsimus, the name means useful. But to his former master, he was pretty useless. He didn't work, he didn't do anything, he stole my money and ran off with it. Yet this is the same guy Paul is going to send to the church. Onsimus is coming with him. He's faithful and beloved. Onsimus had stolen money from his master, a man by the name of Philemon. The whole book of Philemon, just a tiny little letter in the Bible, talks about this, this situation. While Onsimus had run off, apparently he ended up in Rome, and while he was in Rome, he was exposed then to Paul. And being around Paul, he was then converted to become a Christian. And Onsimus proved to be a changed man. He was a valued and faithful helper for Paul. But Paul knew about the issue of the stolen money, 
And so eventually he would send Onesimus back to his master. He said, look, you've got to make this right. You look at the book of Philemon, uh, it's, it's about that, where Paul asked Philemon, look, forgive Onesimus, love him as a brother. You're a Christian, he's become a Christian, let's wrap this thing up in love here. It's interesting that the cross unites what the world would break apart or separate. The cross can unite a master and a slave under the banner of the cross. We need to be like Onesimus, the superhero who allowed the gospel message to transform his life. He didn't stay the same. He wasn't a no-good thief anymore. He wanted to make things right. That's a life that has been transformed by the gospel. You know, we were once useless, like Onesimus. Have we become useful now for the kingdom of God? Has the gospel message changed you in any way? Or do we go on living our lives useless for the kingdom? We need to follow the example of this thieving slave who ended up becoming a great tool for Paul to build up the church. A life changed by the gospel. That transforms anybody into a hero. Somebody who's useful for the kingdom of God. Verse 10. Next in the lineup of these superheroes, these, these spiritual avengers. Aristarchus. Aristarchus, it says, sends you his greetings. Now, you may not learn a lot here about Aristarchus, but I went and looked up Aristarchus. In the, he shows up in a couple other places in the New Testament. And he's a guy who was with Paul. He would show up with Paul in various places. <laughs> In Acts 19, we won't turn there, but in Acts 19, uh, Paul is in Ephesus. And while he's there, he gets beat up by a mob. Guess who was with him? Aristarchus. Aristarchus was with Paul getting beat up, brutally beat up, for the gospel. He would end up accompanying Paul on his trip to Jerusalem. He then later shows up here in Rome. This is a guy who followed Paul and wanted to serve Jesus. He was one of Paul's companions in ministry, and this is a guy who knew what it was to suffer for the name of Jesus. So when these people hear Aristarchus, uh, he sends you his greetings. They're like, oh, that, that's a serious, that's a big name. That's a man who suffered for the gospel. And I don't mean he got made fun of. I don't mean that he may have had to quit his job. This is a guy who was literally beat to a pulp because of his belief in Christ. We as a church need people who are willing to stay focused for the work of the kingdom. People like Arist Aristarchus. Yeah, I got beat up. What's, what, what, what's the next town we're going to? Bring it. We need people to be focused like a laser beam on certain things to, to serve the kingdom, to serve the church. I've seen too many people leave the church because they've lost focus. They forgot to keep the main thing the main thing, which is to, to bring the gospel to the world. 
It's to be the body of Christ to each other and to those around you, those in your community. And if it costs you a beating, it, it costs you a beating. Aristarchus would not lose fo uh, focus on the mission. He stuck with Paul through everything. That makes me, in my eyes, a hero. Also in verse 10, a man by the name of Mark, that's a little better than Aristarchus and, and Tychicus, and, and plain old Mark. Well, you may remember or realize that this man, Mark, he was the cause of one of the early church's major splits. Caused a lot of confusion, a lot of disagreement. There was a big argument within the church. It was all caused because of this man, Mark. Paul and Barnabas disagreed over Mark's desire to join them on a missionary journey. Paul's second missionary journey. Paul's getting his team together, and here's Mark. I, I'll go. Paul's like, you're not going. I don't want him this time. Why? Does anybody remember why Paul would have looked at Mark and said, I, I don't know. Mark had been a dropout. In Acts chapter 12 and 13, it says that on a previous journey, Mark just up and went home. I'm done with you guys. I'm out of here. And he left. He's not just left, he left them stranded. What that implies is that when the heat got too much, I'm out of here. I can't take it anymore. And he's out of there. He goes home. And so now, Paul's getting ready later for his big trip. And here's Mark saying, I'll go. And Paul's like, you're not going. You bailed on us once. You'll probably do it again. Nothing personal, man, but I, I can't, this is too important. Of course, Barnabas, he's his cousin. He's like, yeah, well, come on. He, he's a, he'll be all right. No, they split. So you've got a big split in the church. Mark had deserted them at Perga. Of course, that infuriated Paul. You look at Barnabas, and in Paul's mind, here you have this unreliable, wishy-washy quitter. It's interesting. I identify with Mark. There are many things I've started in, in both uh, the secular world and in ministry. Where I get off to a great start, but then bail out because things happen. You know, that should have been the end of the story of Mark. A good man who worked hard, but then he bailed. But here he's showing up again in Rome, ministering to Paul. Somewhere along the line, they buried the hatchet. And Mark becomes a very valuable tool for Paul to use. Mark has, been, has grown into becoming one of Paul's key helpers. Think about that. Mark fell, but he got back on his feet. Mark was determined to get up. Yes, Paul, I screwed up. But I'm not going to let that stop me from... Rising up, getting back on my feet, and ministering in the name of Jesus. It's interesting. I think uh, Mark 
was probably taken in by the apostle Peter. Peter was a Jew. Mark was a Jew. Uh, Peter had some experience with screwing up as well. You know, he denied Jesus you know, on the night of the crucifixion. You know, he had done a lot of things too. And I think Peter probably had a hand in restoring Mark. Mark, I know what it is to screw up. I've been a screw up. But God uses screw-ups all the time. Paul was no stranger to failure himself. He knew how important it was to get up after experiencing a spiritual disaster of your own making. What about you? Do you have the maturity to get yourself picked up? To become useful to the Lord despite maybe a prior failure? Maybe you bailed out on the Lord one time yourself. But like Mark, did you rise up and go forward? Did you pick yourself up and become useful to the Lord? Being useless is not a spiritual gift. We can all pick ourselves up after spiritual disaster and become powerful workmen for the kingdom of God. So if you've screwed up and you're beating yourself up about it, think about Mark. He picked himself up. He was restored, and he became a very powerful helper for Paul. By the way, as a testament to Mark's restoration, I'm going to give you a little quiz here. You should get this, all right? We look at this wishy-washy quitter, and we find that there is a great book of the, the Bible that was written by this quitter, this faker, this person who bailed out and left Paul stranded. Trick question. What book of the Bible did he write? The book of Mark. The book of Mark, one of the four Gospels, was written by this man who had been a quitter and yet now is a spiritual... He's a superhero. He's part of the team. He's part of the spiritual Avengers. Mark, we'll put him in there. Verse 11, Justice. Actually, his name was Jesus. Think of how confusing that would be. Jesus died for your sins. Say what? What's your name? Jesus. Wait a minute. But he set his own name aside to be willing to help spread the gospel. You can, uh, don't call me Jesus. Call me Justice. That's it. Call me Justice. Because being named Jesus might cause some confusion. It probably would cause some problems. So instead, this Jesus gave up his own identity and took on the name Justice. He apparently left his own people, the Jews, to spread the gospel among the people in Rome. Justice had found his identity in Christ. He didn't find his identity in his name. He didn't find his identity in his nationality, being a Jew. I mean, no. I am in Christ. And to him, that was what was most important. Verse 12, Epaphras. Another name that we often probably never remember. But Epaphras was a prayer warrior. And he was burdened by the spiritual immaturity that he saw in other people. Paul says he constantly makes it a point to labor earnestly or to contend for God's people in prayer. He made it his mission to pray for these people. 
because he was worried about him. I want you to grow up strong in the faith. I'm going to pray for you that you'll grow as a Christian. He wanted the people in his church to have assurance of the will of God. Verse 12, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. He wants them to understand, you're, look, you're on the right path. There's a lot of people telling you, you're wasting your time, you don't know what you're doing. No, you're doing the right thing, and I'm going to be in prayer for you. You know, you can be a hero by lifting up people within the church. Every Sunday we have this little prayer time. Do you actually take that prayer list and take a moment and pray for these people? To remember those on the list? Be a prayer warrior. Now, I think Epaphras probably had a spiritual gift that made him diligent in that. It was just something he did. Verse 14, Luke. This is Paul's personal physician. Here's a man who used his occupation as a doctor for God's glory. Uh, you know, I'm a doctor, that's what I do. But I'm going to use this for God's glory. I'm a school teacher. Sometimes it's difficult to find okay, a school teacher, but I'm going to use that to try to, for God's glory somehow. How can I do that? You know, it's interesting. I wonder how many times Luke had to treat Paul's wounds. How many times did the good doctor go to Paul and say, oh, you got beat up again. Let me set your arm. Let me bandage that up. Paul had been beaten up, stoned, left for dead. And yet here's Luke to help him, to bind him up. Think of the conversations Paul and Luke would have had. You know, Luke teaches us that our vocations are not separate from our spiritual life. We're called to do the glory of God. <clears throat> Verse 15, rounding out the, uh, uh, the list here of the, of the superheroes. We're getting close to the end here. Nympha, what a name. What did she do that was so special? What was her superpower? She opened up her house to people. That's it. That's what she did. Uh, I got a house. Uh, you guys can come meet here. That was her, her gift to the people. She opened up her home and let the church meet there. She gave of her resources for the sake of the gospel. A lot of us think, well, I don't have anything to give for the glory of God. I don't have anything. What can I, what can I possibly do? I hear, people tell me this all the time. I mean, what, what can I do? Think about Jesus, though. He took the most ordinary things and he used them for the glory of God. He used the boat of a fisherman. Let me borrow your boat. And he turned it into a pulpit and he preached out of this boat. Maybe you got a boat you could let Christ borrow. He took a small boy's packed lunch of some bread and a few fish and he fed the multitude. That little kid showed up with a, uh, two little fishies and was it five loaves of bread or was it five fishies and two? I, I can never get it straight. He had fish and chips and they took it and fed the multitude. 
with a little bit of dirt on the ground, Jesus took some dirt and he healed a blind man. Something as simple as dirt. Even with the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, that became the empty tomb that would prove Christ's resurrection. If you have little, don't be ashamed of your poverty. Freely give what you have and watch what God will do with it for his glory. Now, if you're carefully following along with me, and I know it's easy to get on some mess. What's an on I left somebody out here. Verse 14, Demas. Demas is someone who helped Paul. He had demonstrated substantial commitment to the Lord's work. Uh, even at the time of the writing of this letter, Demas was still a part of Paul's crew. Well, we find in other places in the, the New Testament, we find out what happens to Demas. In 2 Timothy, which was a letter written later, we find out that Demas had fallen in love with the world and he abandoned Paul. Here's a guy who was part of the Avengers and he bails Somewhere Mark's thinking, doo, 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 I've seen this. Uh, you don't want to do that. When Demas fell in love with the world, he, he utterly abandons Paul. He fell in love with the things of the world, the lusts of the eye and the flesh, the boastful pride of life, those things that, that so easily take us away from the gospel message. On the outside, Demas appeared to be a devout disciple of Christ. But on the inside, he was a fair-weather disciple who had never counted the cost of what it really means to be committed to Christ. When it got too hot, he got out. Jesus often spoke of some men. Sometimes in the real world, we find that our superheroes, they're not so super at all. We should remember Demas as a warning that sometimes there are wolves among the sheep. Instead of being a Demas, let's remember the last of our heroes, a man by the name of Archippus. Archippus, in verse 17, Paul mentions in his letter, Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. This is a young man probably like Timothy. Paul is thinking of this young man specifically. Uh, look, I want to know, I was thinking about you. I want you to fulfill your ministry. You got off to a great start. Don't let anything sidetrack you. Stay on the right track. We should do the same. So there you have it. That's my list of superheroes. I mean, this isn't Iron Man and Spider-Man. and It's not even David or Daniel or John the Baptist. These are everyday people living within their church, doing the best they can with what God has given them. They're trying to be faithful to the call. Every one of us can be a hero of the faith. We don't have to be a, a Daniel and be you know, predicting the future. We don't have to be a David, a king, and you can be a mark. 
who you work hard and then you screw it up, but guess what? You can still come back and you can still be useful. You know, each of us are given superpowers by the Holy Spirit. Did you realize that on the day that you were saved, the Holy Spirit of God, God's power working through you, gave each of us gifts to be used in the church? We all have spiritual gifts that God wants us to use in the church. You all have a gift, a superpower. What if, uh, uh, you know, Superman was given a superpower, and he's like, you know what, I can fly, but I, I'm not going to use it. Be like Smallville every week, you know, you just... Anyways, there are no nerds out there. Kyle likes to think you're all a bunch of nerds, but I know better. There aren't any geeks or nerds. Anyways, uh, we all have superpowers. Probably the greatest of those is simply a willingness to be useful for the kingdom of God. You know, like Hawkeye told Radar, you know, people who do heroic things often do them out of necessity and in the midst of great strife. People are, they step up and they, they just get things done. Each of us should be willing to use what God has given us in times of joy, but especially in times of struggle and strife. Now here's Paul sitting in jail. He's got to rely on his friends to fulfill the spiritual mission that was necessary to keep this church running. Being a hero means being willing to answer the bell when your time is called. God may not use you in a dramatic way every day, but every once in a while, He needs you to answer the call. You got to be ready. It might be simply opening up your house. It might be something as simple as giving encouragement to somebody. Those are things that build the kingdom of God. Resolve today to be the superhero that God can use to save the day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, these everyday people who were faithful in, in, in trying to obey the, the gospel message and bringing the word. I thank you for these people who went to build up this church at Colosseum and in, in turn give us great encouragement and give us uh, motivation to want to do the little things that we can for the kingdom of God. You don't expect us to leap mighty buildings and you know, be faster than a train and bullets. But God, you expect us to be faithful with the little things that you've given us. And God, it's my prayer that here at North Hills we would do that. Lord, help us to be faithful today. In the name of Jesus, amen.